I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 123 in which I went to Paducah and I am recording this on I think it's Wednesday and I think it's May 1st 2013. Um, still a little foggy <laughs> from the trip and I'll be talking about that um, my trip pretty much in this entire episode so no more about that now. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody for listening and um, thank you for those of you who have left comments or emailed and especially thank you to those of you who have stuck through with me through the issues of moving to the new blog site and issues with leaving comments there. Um, still working with the engineers, have not heard from them in the last couple days, but in the meanwhile, a lot of people were commenting on the podcast show notes, so I can only believe that it's mostly working for folks at this point. Um, I do know there were also some problems with the email feed to my blog page, not the show notes, but the, not the podcast show notes, but the blog page, and pictures weren't showing up, and so I've been in, in touch with the um, email server, which is different from the blog post. I'm linking two different um, things together and hoping they all play together nice in the sandbox. And as it turns out, they weren't. And I think I know, I think I've been told why that might be, and I think I can get that fixed. So I'm hoping tonight to post a blog post with just a few photos um, from my trip to Paducah. And hopefully you will be able to now see those photos. Um, so that's just a little bit of an update. I will be um, talking in this episode, like I said, primarily about my trip to Paducah. I'm going to start out with a short Creative Bites um, that was generated from my time in Paducah. And then I've got a couple of announcements and then I'll be talking about Paducah itself. Um, not sure if I'll do listener feedback this episode because I am still sorting through emails that I got while I was gone and I need to um, kind of go through all the comments people left for the giveaway and see if there's a couple there that I want to talk back to, etc. So that's going to take me a little more time to organize. Um, but, you know, I might get to it. I don't know yet. I'm kind of freewheeling it tonight a little bit. Um, okay, so let's start out with the Creative Bites. Creative Bites for this week is simply believe in yourself. Um, whenever I go to a major quilt show, and of course seeing quilts at Paducah last week at the AQS Quilt Week in Paducah, um, but I remember feeling the same way when I was in Houston both times and also when I went to the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Fe Festival last year. Was that only last year? I think that was only last year. <laughs> Time is sort of, you know, an accordion. It just shrinks and expands based on how much sleep I've gotten apparently. Um, in any case, it is really, really easy when you're seeing these award-winning quilts to just feel like, you know what, I should just bag it. Let me just hang up my needle and thread. Let me just put the case over my um, sewing machine and give it up now because that's just an incredible quilt I'm standing in front of looking at and there is just absolutely no way. Um, and I've struggled with that feeling every time. And, and my friend Katie, BFFBQF Kate, who went to Paducah with me, you know, we talked about that, how we would stand in front of a particular quilt, whichever genre um, 
Katie is a an exquisite hand quilter in my opinion, but when she was looking at a couple of the hand quilted award winning quilts, you know, she would make the comment to me, I should just hang up my needle now. <laughs> and and I felt the same way when I was looking at quilts that were kind of more in my genre, more of the art quilt mode of saying, you know, there's just no way. I don't even think that way. How can I even do that? Um but you know, at this time I did actually find myself not struggling with that quite so much. It's still, you know, that reared its head a little bit here and there. But for the most time, most part, I found myself thinking more, um, not so much, well, I can do that. You know, it was more, you know what, I can do what I'm supposed to do if I just apply myself. You know, if I just take the time to think about it, if I just take the time to experiment and work it out, I can do what I'm supposed to do. I was much better this time at not, um, comparing myself to the end. If you remember Creative Bites a while back, I talked about don't compare your middle to somebody else's end. Um, you know, every quilt that's up there represents a lot of quilts that didn't get up there by that same maker. So I was much more cognizant this time of saying, I'm in the process of finding my voice. I'm in the process of of discovering what it is I'm meant to do with fabric and thread. And I was much better at, yes, I could admire a beautiful hand applique quilt. I have a thing for Baltimore album quilts. I love looking at them, but that's not something I feel the need to make. So I'm not comparing myself to that level of hand applique. I do some hand applique, but I do a different kind of style. And it's something I know I'm at the beginning of learning. So that didn't, you know, I didn't look at those quilts this time and think, sheesh, you know, I'll never get there. It was more like, you know what, I'm not there now, but I don't feel the need to be there now. I'm working on other things. Um, I can certainly admire perfect points. There were some really exquisite, exquisitely technically done quilts there. Um, but you know what, at this stage, I'm not feeling the need to have perfect points. That's not where my path is taking me, that exquisite technical detail on the traditional or, you know, some of the more modern quilts also have that kind of level of technical detail. That's not where I'm feeling the need to be. I am, you know, I was, again, I was looking at more of the art quilts, more of the um, kind of abstract stuff, more of the pictorial quilts, and I was getting ideas and and really looking at this is kind of the path I want to follow, but each individual quilt represents such different kinds of techniques, such different kinds of methods, such different kinds of um, gifts and talents, really, <laughs> in, in a wide range, that I was able to say to myself, you know what, I really believe in myself. I think I can get to wherever I'm feeling the need to get if I simply trust myself, believe in myself, and keep experimenting and playing and so that's what I really came out of the Paducah experience with is this, this greater belief in myself, not to say, hey, I could do that. Hey, I could have a quilt in Paducah next time. I don't even know that I'm meant to have a quilt in Paducah. I don't know that that's something I am going for, the whole show route and the whole award and ribbon route. That's a great route. And there's a lot of feedback you get. And there's a lot of um, wonderful, helpful information you get from the judges. I'm not saying, you know, boy, people who do that are wrong. I'm saying that's just not where I'm at at the moment. I might be there. There might be a season that comes to me later where I look at, you know, entering more into shows other than regional shows, which I've done. Um, but that's just not what's in my head right now. 
And it's not like I feel like that's something I need to work towards. I'm doing something else. I'm following a different path at the moment, and I'm perfectly secure in that path. And I'm having a great time. <laughs> I am I'm having a great time. And that'll come out more when I talk more about Paducah. Um, so, you know what, that's, that's my advice to you. If you are at a point where when you look at, you know, wonderful award-winning quilts and you just feel like you should really toss in the towel, believe in yourself, think about what path are you meant to be following and break it down into the baby steps. Don't look at that award-winning quilt and, and get frustrated with yourself because you're not there at the moment. Um, although you may be there. I don't know. Some of you have shown me pictures of what you're doing and it's beautiful. Some of you have not shown me any pictures at all. I want you to do that. Um, but in any case, you know, I'm not a quilt judge. I'm not going to go down that route of trying to judge what other people are doing. I'm just trying to find what it is I'm trying to do and I'm trying to do it as best as I can. Um, so I hope you'll walk with me in that journey. I hope you will also believe in yourself. I hope you will also decide here's what I'm meant to do, or take some time to figure out what it is you're meant to do. Um, and I've been recording some interviews in which I talk with some quilt artists about that process, and I'm, I really can't wait to share those with you, but they'll come in time. Um, I hope you will spend some time think of, thinking about what it is that you are really meant to be doing with fabric and thread, and do it, and have fun doing it. And don't compare yourself to what other people are doing with fabric and thread, and get frustrated or or get um, discouraged. Look at it as inspiration. Look at it and celebrate what they are able to do for their um, sake and on their behalf, but then say, what is it I'm supposed to do? And believe in yourself and follow that path. That's what I came out of Paducah thinking and feeling. So that's my creative bites for this episode. Okay, I've got a great announcement or rather six announcements. I have drawn the winners of my third podcast anniversary giveaway, which officially ended at midnight last night, my time. Although as one commenter did remind me, it was still um, April 30th on, at, in their time frame after it was over in mine, which was just fine. I still included their comment in the um, drawing. I used random number generator and I drew six winners. And I am thrilled to announce those winners. They are Jamie, who has TWCNY in her email address to identify her from any other Jamies who may have also commented. And I have emailed Jamie. So Jamie, check your email. Um, I also drew Gretchen's name and Gretchen of G Stitches. I know there's a few Gretchens who um, commented. It is the Gretchen whose email includes G Stitches. And I have also emailed you. Kati R. My Twitter friend Kati was a winner. And no, I didn't specifically choose her name. It was the random number generator who choose her, chose her name. Um, Kati is one of the circle of Twitterers, Twilters, I believe we're calling each other now, um, who are in communication pretty much on a daily basis at this point. So Kati, congratulations as well. And I've been in communication with Kati via Twitter. And also congratulations to A.G. Lindsay 
and AG Lindsay, your email address did not come through, but your blog address did. So I have left a comment on your most recent blog entry, letting you know you're one and asking you to email me. So if you're listening to this before you check your blog or your email, if you're set up to get automatic notifications off your blog to your email, you should see my comment um, there. And I left my email address for you there to, for you to be back in touch with me. So congratulations, AG Lindsay. And... It's coming up daisies, both daisies, one <laughs> daisy at colorize in her email address and also daisy of the very lazy type and um, very lazy daisy. I did con contact you through um, Twitter as well to get your email or get your mailing address and daisy of colorize your email address did come through in your comment. And so I've emailed you. So congratulations again to Jamie Gretchen, Cotty, AG Lindsay, and both daisies. Um, send me your email addresses so I can get your Aurafil thread in the mail to you. And very lazy daisy, you were the winner of the Tula pink pack. So I hope you will enjoy that. Um, the other announcement, oh, by the way, thank you to everybody for playing along. I really enjoyed reading all of your comments and the three things that were significant to you in quilting, um, many of which I agreed with, some of which were new thoughts to me, and I appreciated that. Um, and like I said, I want to have the time to really kind of sit and go through them and read them all to see if I can um, respond to any of them on the air, as it were, in an upcoming podcast episode. Speaking of upcoming podcast episodes, I would like to officially announce now that my next episode will include or will be an interview with Kimberly Einmo. Um, and it will also include, thanks to Craftsy for sponsoring this, a giveaway from Craftsy for a free gift certificate to use for one of Kimberly Einmo's two classes on Craftsy. And there will be links, etc. and all of that good stuff in the show notes to that episode when it does get posted. So get ready. I thoroughly enjoyed sitting down and talking with Kimberly. We were actually able to do the interview in person in Paducah. And as we emailed afterwards, because um, we did it right before class, so I kind of had to finish the interview and shoot out of there so that she could teach her class and I could go take the class um, that I was in at that time. And um, I, so we emailed later to say, thank you for the interview. It was great. And I said, you know, I could have sat and had coffee with you for a couple hours <laughs> afterwards. It was so much fun talking with her. So I'm really excited about presenting that in interview to you in my next episode. And I know I was just a little bit mean to my Twitter friends because I kept posting teasers about doing an interview with somebody, but I wouldn't tell them who it was. Um, so now you know, it was Kimberly Einmo. Um, and I will be letting you know who other interviews are with other um, folks coming up in the weeks to come. I'm trying to space them out a little bit. I would love to post them all like in one week, one right after the other, because I'm having so much fun doing these interviews. Um, but I need to space them out, so I will be doing that. Okay, let's talk about Paducah. Um, as I believe I mentioned in my episode in which I was a going to Paducah, um, this was something my mom used to go, gosh, she went, felt like every year, um, felt like it was my entire childhood, <laughs> but I know it wasn't. Uh, it was probably more like my oh, late high school time. I don't remember. I don't really know when Paducah started and I don't really know when mom started going, but she went for long enough that they actually were on first name basis with the people in the motel where they used to stay. Um, and 
as an adult, it just never worked out once I became a quilter for me to go with her. So, you know, during this trip, obviously I just had in the back of my mind the whole time, boy, it would have been nice to see this with mom and, you know, kind of thinking about what would mom say about that, this quilt or that quilt that I was looking at and trying to experience it the way mom would have experienced it. However, I will say I, I have the distinct impression that Paducah has just been growing with leaps and bounds every year. And, um, I don't know that this would really feel like the same show that she went to. I think, you know, some of the core components to it would certainly. Um, but I think it's probably significantly bigger than it used to be when mom was going. I mean, it's been, well, mom's been gone for four years and it was several years before that, that she went for the last time. So it's probably been a good 10 years, maybe even a little bit longer since mom was there. Um, and I think it's probably a lot bigger and probably feel somewhat different than it did when she was there. So I think I had, you know, kind of more of a unique experience than just experiencing what my mom would have experienced. But even so, um, I did my mom proud with the vendors, <laughs> certainly. Although mom in more recent years had a habit of coming home with like sewing machines and things. And I didn't do the big ticket items. I did a lot of the little ticket items that eventually added up to a big ticket. Um, but let me kind of try to do this in some sort of an organized fashion. I'm not sure I can. The first is I do have to say um, there were signs and announcements all over the place. We could take pictures of quilts for personal use, but we could not share any through social media. So I can't post any pictures of quilts to my blog or to Twitter or anything like that. And Jay had tweeted and asked if there was any way to get like an overall view of the site. And there there isn't. There's nowhere you can get up. It's a very small convention center in Paducah. Um, and there's no, like, there's a second floor, but it doesn't look out over where the main show was. So there, there's just no way I had any pictures of all that included quilts or vendor booths, because a lot of the vendor booths also had sign up, you know, no pictures, because they don't want you taking a picture of a pattern and then just doing it on your own without buying the pattern. I, I get that. I understand it. Um, so anyway, I don't really have any pictures of the show or anything I did in the show other than a couple of things. So I'm going to post what few pictures I do have <laughs> to my blog, um, but they don't include quotes. So I'm sorry for that. Um, I think one of the highlights for me was a meetup with a listener, which was very unexpected. Um, Amino on Twitter. And I, I really apologize. I do think of most people by their Twitter handles or their email. <laughs> addresses. It's, it's kind of, you know, names, kind of a thing of the past. We're into usernames, screen names, all that kind of thing. I believe your name was Angela. I hope it was Angela. And I think I might have called you Amy by accident because for some reason I had that in my head when we actually meet. But anyway, Amino um, had tweeted me. So I posted, it. you know, while I was at Paducah, I would periodically post a tweet about where I was and what I was doing. And at one point, we had one nice day while we were there. The rest of the days, it was pretty rainy. One really nice day. And so, and my friend Katie was in a long morning class that day. And I believe she may have also been in a lecture. That was a day that I ended up spending a lot of time on my own. Um, and since it was such a nice day, I just walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked. Because the, the town of Paducah is really pretty. That downtown area was, you know, it's got a lot of charm and character to it. And they roll out the red carpet for quilters. Everybody's got quilts in their windows, their shop windows, even if their shop has nothing to do with quilting, which was, I found kind of entertaining, the way people were finding to work quilts into their window displays, even if it wasn't a quilt shop. Um, 
But there were a lot of places that did have specials, etc. And the vendors are spread out all over town because there's no one single build- building big enough to hold all of them. And um, there was also a fiber arts um, exhibit that was in a different building. It was in the Yeiser. Yeiser? <laughs> I think it's Yeiser. I always wanted to call it Kaiser Building. <laughs> but that, I think it's Yeiser Building. Um, it had a special fiber arts exhibit. And so um, I went to that on my own because Katie wasn't as interested in that. I apologize for the little break there. My husband just called from work to let me know he's on his way home. And now I don't really remember what I was saying. Um, I believe I was talking about the fiber arts exhibit and it was a really, really wonderful exhibit. It was small and there wasn't a lot of information. You were just kind of seeing the name of the, the, the artwork on the world, on the wall, who had made it. And then a little bit about what techniques were in there, but no artist statements or anything, no actual descriptions of the artwork, which I found a little disappointing but I did enjoy seeing it. But anyway, that's what I was kind of just walking all over Paducah um, on that day. And so I went and I had to walk by the National Quilt Museum in order to get back to the convention center to meet up with Katie. And they had benches outside the National Quilt Museum. So I just sat down and took a picture of the sign to say, hey, yes, here I am, and tweeted it. And later found a tweet from Amino, from Angela, that said, I was sitting outside that with my mom for a whole day, for the whole day. And I was like, well, then, dang, why didn't you tell me or come over to find me or something? Um, so anyway, we were able to uh, do a meetup the next day. So I met Angela and her mom. Hi, mom. And uh, had a great time standing and talking with the two of them for a little bit. And they were on their way to um, an Alex Anderson lecture on fabric, which I had attended back in I think it was Houston, and I used to, I have Angela, uh, sorry, not Angela, I have Alex Anderson's book on fabric shopping, which is now out of print, but if you can get your hands on it, it's actually a good resource. Um, so they then later told me they had a great time at that. And Angela, by the way, I never did end up getting to Flamingo Row for dinner. Um, we were on Saturday night when we had talked about maybe trying to go again, we couldn't find it as Angela knows. Um, it was a restaurant that was recommended to Angela who then recommended it to um, me and Katie. And I drove all over the county because I had a couple of wrong turns and my GPS wouldn't find it. Anyway, we had a nice um, scenic tour of the Paducah area and, you know, several miles around the Paducah area for whatever reason. Um, But Saturday night, we ended up, once I knew where it was, we ended up going somewhere else because we were so wiped out. We just went pretty close to the hotel. So it was wonderful meeting you and your mother. Say hi to mom and glad you had a good time. Um, at Paducah, I, we registered for classes really, really, really late. Somehow we had both e- uh, missed the email um, saying registration was open. I don't know how, although I talked to a couple of other people there who had also missed the email. So I, I think AQS, you could do a little better on letting people know <laughs> when registration opens. If you've never been there before, you don't know what to look for. Um, Houston, you get on a mailing list, you get the catalog. It's it's a little more of a smooth operation with Houston. Uh, with AQS, a little bit more left up to chance. But anyway, um, I had gotten into a couple of lectures. So I saw uh, the first morning that we were there, I saw the Tent Makers of Cairo presentation, which was by a woman named Jenny Bowker, um, who is Australian. And in her presentation, she said she was the, um, or she is, the wife of the Australian ambassador uh, to um, Egypt and other countries. They've spent time in a lot of other countries. But in any case, 
she explained how she had met up with these tent makers of Cairo and she did the presentation that gives a little bit of their history and talks about their style. And then they had a special exhibit with a lot of their work there. Plus two of the tent makers, two of the men were there actually um, doing their method of applique in the exhibit. So you could actually see them in action. I don't want to take a whole lot of time um, explaining it all here, but it, it was a wonderful presentation. It was a wonderful exhibit. I did buy both the book and the DVD of pictures of the quilts. Um, it was just incredible. And I believe if you Google Tent Makers of Cairo, you would probably find information on it. And the exhibit is traveling, so it might be coming near you. So if you see the opportunity near you to see a Tent Makers of Cairo um, exhibit, I would do so. They were also recording while we were there. There was um, one of the guys that works with Jenny Bowker was there with a very large, you know, TV style camera um, and film camera and was filming as they were there. So I imagine they're getting ready to produce some sort of documentary or something. Um, so I really enjoyed that. That was a highlight for me. The quilts in the show were wonderful. It is a smaller show than, say, Houston, or I imagine would be then also Cincinnati or the other places where the Houston show kind of travels to the International Quilt Festival. Um, but it was still really wonderful. There were fewer, like, uh, I don't want to say this. There were very few hand quilted pieces there, which, you know, I'm all into machine quilting anyway, so that didn't stand out to me other than the fact that I don't want that to be a lost art. And it kind of surprised me with AQS because they're, they're very careful about things like that. So I don't know if just fewer quilts had originally gotten submitted or were accepted. I don't know what the deal was on that. Um, but in general, I did really enjoy the quilt show itself. Um, for those of you who have never been to a major national quilt show like this, um, here is my recommendation. I talked about this after I went to Houston when I posted the podcast about that. Do it in parts if you can. If you only go for one day, obviously you've got to try to do the show all in one day. But if you're there for several days, don't try to see the show all in one day and then do other things. You want to do it in parts. That's really the only way to be able to absorb. So, you know, each day Katie and I would kind of choose one part that we would go to and we would try to work our way through. Um, we also generally had an unspoken agreement that we would only see the show together if we could actually look at it together because that way we had somebody we could kind of talk through things and point things out to. Um, on the last day we were there when we had already seen all the show, um, Katie was pretty beat and, and she has foot issues. So she sat for a while while I just went back and kind of went through the show and spent time again with what, you know, the quilts that had kind of stood out for me. So at that point I did see it by myself. Um, when we went to Houston, I had no choice. I did see a lot of it by myself, and Katie saw a lot of it by herself while the other one was in classes. Um, but in general, it was always more fun to actually look at quilts with somebody else where you could talk to them. So I did enjoy the the, the quilts themselves. Um, you know, a, a couple stood out to me, but not the ones you would expect. The award winners were award-winning quilts. I mean, they were beautiful to look at. But the one that I kept going back to had not won an award, and I wouldn't even say that technically speaking it was one of the more impressive quilts, but it was something about the use of color that just really grabbed me. And so I found myself, I kept going back to that quilt. Um, it had this just wonderful turquoise that just kind of, it surprised you the way it was used, and it just kept 
making me go back to it and look at it again and appreciate the use of that color. So, you know, it's always kind of fun to see which quilts stick with you when you're done, when you've seen them all, which ones kind of make you want to go back. It's not always the ones you think it would be. Um, there was another show, uh, the Rotary of Paducah does an antique quilt show every year in a different venue, kind of down the street. You have to actually take one of the shuttle buses because it wasn't within the easy walking distance and it was on a road with no sidewalks that would have been kind of scary to walk along anyway. Um, and there were vendors in that building as, as well. And I, I hate to say it, that show did not really impress us. It's a very small antique exhibit, antique quilt exhibit. There were maybe I don't know, 15, 20, it was certainly, I think it was less than 20 quilts were in this exhibit. Um, and this year their focus was on signature quilts. So all the quilts were signature quilts, which um, neither Katie nor I are really into. We both enjoy antique quilts. She probably does more than I. She's into antiques in general and she enjoys antique quilts, but she doesn't particularly like signature quilts. Um, I like signature quilts only in the stories behind them and in looking at the antique handwriting, which was kind of cool. Um, but that, so that show was a little bit disappointing and the vendors that were around there, there were a couple of vendors. Um, Katie found some fabric she had been looking for and I bought some stencils to use in my um, surface design work. But other than that, you know, the vendors were kind of what they were everywhere else as well. So that was the only time that we kind of felt like, well, we probably could have skipped that and not been the worst for it, but you don't know, you know, and their, their show changes every year. So every time you go to Paducah, it kind of depends on what they're choosing to show that year. Um, we have a friend who was also there who is an appraiser, Beth Davis. In fact, I did an interview with her way, way, way back in my first year. Um, she is a certified appraiser. She works with AQS appraisal. She was there in Paducah. She's there every year. And she was volunteering in various ways um, around the uh, show during the week. And she did, she talked to us ahead of time, oh, you got to see the antique quilts. She really enjoyed them. So it all kind of depends on what you're into. I'm just letting you know, for me, that was not necessarily a highlight. Um, we also did get over to the vendors in the Finkel building, which is a separate building halfway across town where there were just a lot of other vendors. Um, and we went to see Carol Breyer Fallert's studio. She has a separate um, studio right in Paducah and has a display of her own quilts and some of Wendy Butler Burns quilts were in there. Um, and Wendy Butler Burns, I actually ran into her. Well, actually I ran into her in the show and then um, saw her again. She was helping out at Carol Breyer Fallert's studio. So um, that was a neat place to go see. You know, I love Carol Breyer Fallert's work, so it was kind of nice to see her actual studio. We did not get to see a studio tour. I don't think she happened to be there when we visited, um, but I know she was giving studio tours, and that would have been very interesting to do. Um, I Let's see. So one of the lectures I went to was the Tent Makers of Cairo. Uh, Katie and I also went to a lecture by Lorraine Torrance, who was um, who is the writer of Fearless Design for Quilters, which is the book that my quilt design study group has been using, just finished in this last year. Um, and so her her lecture, I don't remember what the actual title of the lecture was, but it was on design principles. So much of the material I did already know, um, partly from her book, but also obviously from doing the design series with Jay. She did have... Um, a lot of images to illustrate the principles which I had not seen before and that's always good you know to kind of see it in a different way and uh, she's just a neat person so it was good to hear her lecture I enjoyed her style 
And she did have a couple of things in there that were not covered in her book and that Jay and I haven't talked about yet. So although I'm familiar with them, you know, it was good hearing her take on them and, and some different terminology used here and there. So that was a good hour spent. I enjoyed that. Um, those were the two lectures I did. And then we went to a special event in the evening, which was Alex Anderson and Libby, Libby Lehman. I believe it was called Behind the Scene, Behind the Seams, S-E-A-M-S. And it was basically them kind of giving their own personal histories with quilting and then kind of riffing from there. And it, it's very entertaining. It actually is pretty much the same presentation that they give at the Ricky Tim seminar. So I realized when I was watching it that I'd already seen <laughs> quite a bit of it. But there was also some new material in there. They clearly kind of keep updating it as they go and have more to talk about. Um, but even the stuff that I'd already seen, they're entertaining. So I enjoyed it, particularly Libby Lehman is just a hoot. Um, so that was a fun evening. And um, then the nice surprise of the week was they have a message board um, in the main convention center where people basically scalp tickets to classes. <laughs> so if somebody has bought a class, registered for class, and then ends up not being able to take the class for whatever reason, they will then post it on that message board. And if you're interested in taking classes, you can look over there and see if one has become available. And so I would just periodically check the board, not really um, expecting to see much, but on Friday afternoon, I saw a note posted that somebody was selling their seat in Libby Lehman's Saturday morning class. And it was one that I had looked at and thought I might register for. So when I saw it, I decided, what the hey, I'll call. And so I called the person and she said, well, somebody else had called me yesterday about it, but they never called me back. So I guess if you've got, you know, if you're interested in doing this and if you're willing to meet me and, and pay me for the seat in the class, then I guess you've got it. And I'm like, absolutely, let's meet. So we met Friday afternoon. So I want to give um, Denise or Nisi a shout out. I had called her Nancy on Twitter because I could swear her name was Nancy. It turns out it was Nisi. Um, I apologize for that. So I bought her seat in the Libby Lehman class, and she was a lot of fun. I would have liked to have spent time with Nisi. She seemed like a really cool person. So um, Nisi, if you happen to be listening to this, since I gave her my card and the website for my um, podcast, I just want to say thank you. I did really enjoy the class. Um, it was her, oh shoot, what's it called? I'm blanking on it now. Libby Lehman's sheer ribbons is that what it's called anyway that's what the effect is it's thread painting so that you make it look like it's um, a ribbon kind of hanging down across the quilt or winding through the quilt and so it's basically just learning how to do this thread painting effect that gives you sort of a 3d look um and it was it was fun i enjoyed doing it um the class supply list was very limited which i looked at before i even decided whether i was going to buy the class because um a lot of the sewing machine manufacturers now provide uh, machines for the class. So we were all using some Bernina. I'm sorry, I'm not a Bernina person, so I don't know what the numbers are. It's one of the, obviously one of their newest Berninas that's available that they're trying to sell. And of course they sell the, the um, machines that are there for the class. And in fact, when I first went in and sat down um, and chose my seed, I was one of the first people in there. And this machine I sat down at had this note on it saying, I'm going home with somebody, somebody's name. And I thought, I am not, I've never used a Bernina before. 
I've never done this technique before, although I've done thread painting before, but I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't sure how this related to what I'd done. I thought, sure as tootin', I'm going to screw up this machine, and then this person is taking home a machine that immediately needs to be repaired. So I got myself up and moved one over to a machine that didn't have anybody's name on it, because that way I figured, this way if I screwed it up, I'm not messing anybody else up. Um, but it turned out, I mean, it was very simple to use, and... Um, because I'm familiar with computers in general, I was able to figure out what various icons meant and stuff, whereas the woman sitting next to me who had never, um, she also had never used a Bernina. She had clearly also never really used a computerized machine because I figured out a couple things and then showed her how to do them. Um, I only had to have the uh, Bernina dealer in the room show me how to do one thing because suddenly a light started flashing with a symbol that I had no idea what it meant and she had to come over and it just meant that my bobbin case had gotten left open before I sat down. So she just flipped it closed and that little thing went away. Um, it did have a Bernina stitch regulator on it which I tried to use and I hated it and I think that's only, you know, I think if I were to use one for weeks on end, eventually I'd get used to it and would, you know, maybe it would really make my life better, but I've done too much free motion machine quilting without it. And so it was fighting me and it was driving me crazy. So after a couple of minutes of testing with it, I just shut it off and did the rest of it without the stitch regulator. Again, I'm not saying Bernina's horrible. I'm not saying the stitch regulator's horrible. I'm just saying because I'm used to working without it, it would have taken me a lot longer than that class to get used to using it. And I didn't want to waste my time in the class just trying to get to use to this thing when I could just as easily shut it off and be happy as a clam without it. Um, you know, the, the machine worked well. It ran smoothly, but it did not convert me from Janome. Just because I like my Janome. I love my machine. I get along well with it. I've never had it in for repairs. So I didn't walk out of that class thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to have that Bernina. Um, again, nothing wrong with Bernina. I just liked my machine. It, it is good, however, to be able to have that kind of an opportunity to use a different machine. I was um, a little bit envious because, as I said, I was doing the interview with Kimberly Imo right before she started teaching her class. And in her classroom, they had Janome's, and it's a newer model than the Janome I own. <laughs> that I would have had fun trying <laughs> just to see. Um, but in any mm. case... Oops, sorry, my computer just talked to you. Um, in any case, I, I did enjoy the Libby Lehman class. It's a technique. Um, what I said to Katie afterwards, what I said to Katie afterwards, okay, I just unplugged the part that kept talking to you, so you won't hear it anymore. Um, what I said to Katie afterwards is I enjoyed the technique. I like the effect, but I want to figure out a way to use it in a quilt that won't look like I'm making a Libby Lehman knockoff quilt. So I just need to take what I learned about shading and transparency and all of that kind of stuff and put it into use some other way. Um, Libby Lehman is fun. However, she was way under the weather. Um, she came up with what sounded to me like sinus issues, although she had never had sinus issues, so she couldn't name it as such. Um, so she was really, and you could tell her energy was at low ebb. And so although she was still an excellent teacher, and although she still made several funny comments, it was not the Libby Lehman that I had experienced in other ways, like through her DVD or at the Ricky Tim seminar, that kind of thing. Um, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy myself. I did enjoy that. And I really do appreciate that Nisi gave up her seat to me. Um, so I think that's all I did in terms of learning <laughs> classes. My uh, The vendors were great, spent, like I said, a lot of time. The the Well, let me, the small thing I got first was um, 
I didn't get it first, actually. I got it last at a time when I didn't really expect to be spending any money. But Katie found in a booth that they had the LED strips that go under the throat plate on your machine. And I've been looking at those for about the last 18 months and hadn't wanted to spend the money for them because they're not cheap. And this booth had them on um, a show discount for a significant amount less. So I did buy a strip for my main machine and then as they explained you can actually use the same plug for two different strips you just unplug it for one and plug it into the other um, so I got a second strip only not with the plug for my travel machine or my old machine that I use for retreat so that'll be good I don't have it hooked up yet but I'm looking forward to using that because the lighting in my sewing room frankly stinks so I've got all sorts of you know task lighting all over the place so I'm glad to be able to add that particular um, strip to my machine um, I also ended up buying a book, as I th think I've said, I think I've said this, um, my niece has announced that she is expecting, and she's due, I think she said, next November. Um, so I, you know, kind of had in the back of my head that I'd be making her a baby quilt sometime soon. Well, while we were in this one book vendor um, place, there they had a sample hanging up on the wall of a quilt made from one of the books and I loved it and I thought immediately this would be the perfect quilt for my niece and her husband her husband is a graphic designer and this is a very graphic designy type quilt um, and so when we went to Hancock's I went back to their back room which is where all the remnants are and bought a slew of fabrics for this baby quilt and I'm looking forward to making that. And then I found the perfect backing fabric um, at the Eleanor Burns uh, Fabric Warehouse. Um, so you'll be hearing more about that quilt later as I start making it. Where I probably, well, where I know I spent most of my money was the Pro Chemical and Dye booth um, because I didn't buy too many more colors, but I did buy a lot more dyeing supplies because none of the supplies themselves are really that expensive. You're paying four bucks here, five bucks there, maybe seven or eight bucks here or there, but they're really heavy containers of powders and you know mixes and formulas. And so shipping is an arm and a leg when I have to order that stuff online. So I bought a bunch of it from the booth and um, actually have already been playing with it. So you'll be seeing more, more adventures of the Mad Quilt Scientist, as I'm called on Twitter, apparently, and um, doing some more hand dyeing. And, and I also bought two new books on hand, three new books actually on hand dyeing. So I'm kind of working my way through different methods and techniques to see which one I like best. I also um, found the Sukuniko ink booth and dropped a fair amount of money there. Um, so I'll be using that for surface design. And then I also spent some money, although I don't think quite as much here as in the other two places, at the Art Fabric booth, which which is uh, Laura Wazilowski of um, the Chicago School of Fusing, and she's also one of the Craftsy teachers. Um, she has hand-dyed fabrics and threads, etc., etc. And so I bought several skeins of her hand-dyed pearl cottons, um, which just pull through fabric like a dream. I've already been using them on my House on a Hill project. Um, so that's beautiful stuff. So I got a lot of that. And I did buy various other little things here and there, but those were kind of the places that I um, really spent the most money or enjoyed the most, kind of the most unique things. The ProCam Dye place I went back to twice. I went to it on one day, bought some supplies, bought the books, went home to my or went back to my hotel room that night, poured through the books, read them cover to cover, made a list of additional supplies I hadn't realized I would need in order to do some of the things in those books, and then went back the second day. <laughs> 
and and said i need a consult because i managed to get there at a time when there was really nobody else in the booth so i was able to just stand and talk to the woman um, running the booth and really talk through her you know here's what i'm trying to do what am i going to need to do that and everything and so i did end up with two fairly large bags of supplies from pro chemical and dye um, so I'm really having a lot of fun with that. And I'm especially working on doing different values now and um, kind of working on getting neutrals. I'm going to be working on getting some neutrals and some grays, shades of grays and blacks. That's the kind of thing that I'm really looking forward to getting into. But again, I'll talk more about that on a different episode. Um, so I got... <laughs> I tweeted at one point, remind me to tell you about my conversation with the nice policeman. So for whatever reason, Friday, I was just exhausted all day. I think it was because Thursday was such a nice day. So I was walking all day. I was outside all day. I was on my feet for probably the entire day from sunup to sundown with maybe an hour and a half exception in between. So Friday, I was fried. I was so, so tired. And we went to the Libby Lehman thing Friday night and we get back to the car, which I'd parked a little ways away from the theater where the presentation was. And it was raining on and off and it was nighttime. So there were street lights. And so I pull out and I'm driving back to um, the hotel and all of a sudden lights go on behind me. No siren, thank God, or it would have scared me out of my skin. But I see the lights in my rear view and I'm like, oh, really? What's going on? I wasn't speeding. I knew I wasn't speeding because I'm just going with traffic and we're all going about 35 miles an hour. So I pull off into this parking lot and he comes up next to me and he goes, um, ma'am, can I see your license and registration? And I pulled, or no, he asked me for my insurance. He said, can I see your license and, or do you have insurance on the car? And I said, yes, I've got insurance. And, um, Katie starts digging. I ask her to get my, um, folder where I keep all that stuff out of my glove compartment while he's talking to me he goes well do you realize you don't have your lights on now my car is one of those that has an auto setting so the lights just come on or go off depending on how much light is outside and I'm thinking I said no I didn't know I didn't have my lights on and I looked down at the thing and the auto thing is switched to lights which and I said oh I must have just hit it at some point when I got out of the car and and turned it off and he goes yeah I, I can see where that hand is so he said um you know let me just take your your license and insurance. And so I'm digging through because I tend to just stick insurance cards in my car without getting rid of the old ones. <laughs> I handed my license and I said, I handed him the other piece of paper and I said, well, I really hope this is the most recent insurance. Oh no. So when he's asking me if I turn my lights on and I'm looking at my, um, you know, steering wheel thing where the lights are and I'm trying to figure out whether it's on auto or not. I said, I kind of say under my breath, well, dang, I can't see a darn thing at night without my glasses on. <laughs> and then I hand him the stuff and he goes back to the car and I turn to Katie and I said, okay, things not to say when a policeman pulls you over. It's, I can't see to drive at night without my glasses on. Well, anyway, so he goes back and he's gone for a while and I'm still looking through because I can't find my registration and I'm sure he's going to ask me for my registration. I cannot find the registration card. I'm positive it's in the car. I'm plowing through everything. Can't find it. Can't find it. I'm starting to worry a little bit that I can't find it. So then he comes back to the car and, you know, he hands me my license back and he goes, well, thank you for that. And he talks to me a little bit. He goes, well, you understand that when somebody doesn't have their lights on, the first thing we think is they've been drinking. And I said, I understand that. And, you know, I turned it back on and 
he goes, well, you know, I won't give you a ticket or anything, but I'll, you know, just make sure you've got them on before you go home. I said, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And he asked, you know, are you here with the quilters? We said, yes. You know, just had, he was a real nice young guy, which makes me seem very old. <laughs> but anyway, so he left us. And as I'm kind of putting everything back in, I realized I'd handed him my license and registration. And that's why I couldn't find my registration card because I had handed it to him. And then I'm thinking, okay, so now I've told him I can't, I'm, he pulls me over because my lights aren't on. I told him I can't see at night without my glasses on. And now I told him I was handing him my insurance card, but I was handing him my registration. <laughs> it is amazing this guy didn't haul me out of the car for a breathalyzer. I mean, I had, I had not had a drop to drink. I was just that tired, could not keep a thought in my head. And was just, you know, I was just really fried. <laughs> so by then, I'm like in hysterics. Fortunately, I didn't start giggling while he was there. I waited till he got back to the car. I've completely lost it. Katie's laughing at me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's just get back to the hotel. Just put me to bed. <laughs> Let me put an end to this day. Fortunately, you know, we were only like a block from the hotel at that point. But I'm like, oh, please, this was so embarrassing. Yes, it's the woman with the New York plates that gets pulled over in the middle of Kentucky. <laughs> It was just, that was a very, very sad moment, but he was a very nice young policeman. Um, oh, and then my friend Katie, whose husband was a police officer, she's like, you know, the minute I went for the glove compartment, he shone that flashlight right on me. <laughs> she said, I felt like saying to him, I'm not going for a gun. I swear I'm not going for a gun. <laughs> so it was just, it was a moment that Katie and I shared with a police officer. Um, Health-wise, I did pretty well. During the week, I did get to the, the gym in the hotel on Thursday and um, morning. And then, of course, I walked all day Thursday afternoon and spent most of every day on my feet. Um, so exercise-wise, I was okay. Eating, I did really well during the beginning of the week. And it just progressively got worse during the end. So I go to my weigh-in tomorrow. We'll see how I do. <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm just hoping I break even. I'm hoping I didn't lose ground, but I should be okay. So that was my week at Paducah. Um, like I said, I have now spent the last, I spent um, Monday night and Tuesday night both down in my basement uh, playing with my new hand dyeing materials. And tonight, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to run downstairs and start rinsing some more stuff. Um, although now my husband is back from, he had been on a business trip the last couple nights, so I could spend the last couple nights in the basement without having to worry about anybody except the dogs, who did come down to visit me at one point. Um, they're not usually fans of the basement, so usually when I'm down there, I'm down there alone. Um, but he's home now, and so tonight I'm just going to rinse out some stuff, but I doubt I'll get anything new in a dye bath so it's probably the last dyeing I'll do until the weekend um, but I might try to post some pictures of what I've done um, again haven't done anything very exciting although tonight's rinse out might be interesting we'll see how that goes different technique so that is my week in Paducah and um, my next episode will be my conversation with Kimberly Einmo which was also a highlight for me from Paducah Okay, I'm going to just do a few um, listener comments because, like I said, most of them had to do with the giveaway, and I really want time to read those. But I do want to say thank you to Jay, who left a comment on my blog post about comments on my blog. And she said, you are hilarious. Zombie apocalypse indeed. I think the zombies will see all the quilts and run for cover. <laughs> and I think that's also true. I think that's true, and I also think it's kind of cute to say run for cover after quilts. Um 
Laura left a comment on the same post, comments on my blog. She says, I can only laugh at Chrome. Here is why. Chrome doesn't like to play nice. In my job, I've done some troubleshooting with it. Some websites just don't configure well with Chrome, although it works when it wants to is my philosophy. Keep up the excellent work, and I can't wait wait to hear about Paducah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Laura. Um, I use Chrome sometimes, but rarely, because I have found that it, it tends, you know, websites just aren't configured for Chrome in a grand way. So there's too many websites it doesn't work with, so I don't tend to use Chrome. Um, it is faster, but that's probably because it doesn't <laughs> have to go through most of the websites because they don't talk to it anyway. Um, thank you to Tori who also who posted on my last episode in which I'm going to Paducah where I had talked about the app Unroll Me. She has um, now joined that and is appreciating it. So thank you for that. Um, Donna says she's happy when she gets to listen to my podcast. It feels like she's talking on the phone to a sister. So thank you so much, Donna, for your wonderful comments. Um, Oh, A.G. Lindsay was having problems uh, downloading the last episode and asked whether other people had commented on that. And no, I didn't hear from anybody else that they had problems downloading it. And clearly some people were able to listen to it because they did comment on it. I have found sometimes iTunes does that with podcasts. I have some other podcasts that periodically it just doesn't, it'll get partway through the download and then stop downloading. Generally what I have to do is just close out of iTunes, let it get over itself, go back in and try downloading again. Um, it's rarely actually a problem with the podcast itself. It's usually a glitch in iTunes. So I can't really offer you any more help than that. Hopefully not too many other people had that same problem and hopefully you were able to get it fixed. Um, my sister Diane commented on my blog about launching the online quilt show Project Hope and she has made a poster to put up at work. She works at a Joann's in her town in a different state and she's putting up a poster there and she's putting up a poster at her church um, and she sent me the poster so I will see if there's a way I can upload it somewhere um, so that anybody else can use it if they would like but that I really appreciate sister Diane for helping to spread the word and if any of the rest of you want to do that it would be great we'd love to have more people to participate Sandy Colwell and I I think I speak on her behalf and I have no fear in doing that in that in that regard. Um, Lori also said it's a fabulous idea and she's planning on starting to think about it. Um, and Jay said in college, her sorority's philanthropy was something called Project Hope. So there it's out there. I wanna say thank you to some more blog subscribers by email, people who have subscribed to get my blog by email. Um, one person, R. Winsby, and so says, so, <laughs> Okay, this is a tongue twister. So says she, and Julie, and Jenny, and Sharon, and Jay. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, not Jay, Jane. Thank you, all of you, for subscribing to the blog, and I should have it up and running again this week. So that is it on this podcast, and looking forward to having you join me again next time. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, in Flickr, 
Thread Bias, Craftsy, Stitch Talk, and, well, Stitch Talk I haven't been on in years, so skip that one. Um, and a lot of other places. I'm Sandy Quilts and all of those places. Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can and really should join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group in Flickr. You can join the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. Um, but again, Quilt Cabana Corners, Sandy Caldwell's group in, in Big Tent is much more active. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us team on Kiva and do good. And you will find links for many of those things at quiltingfortherestofus.com. And of course, we're also available on Stitcher. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.